Today's podcast is sponsored by MPB, the online pricing engine that provides the right price for any camera or lens. Get free kit pickup and get paid within days or without leaving your home. How much could you get? Find out with a free instant quote at www.mpb.com forward slash sell. Hello and welcome to the AV Forums Movies Podcast for Monday the 16th of October 2023. Tonight I'm joined by Tom Davis. That's me. <laughs> Simon Crust. Nebushi Shanghai. And Mark Costello. Oh, just good evening everyone. Hasn't it gone cold? <laughs> oh, oh Mark's no. laughing now. Not in my but... house. Really? Not in my house with the heat all on and ah. Yeah, sorry, everyone. No, yeah, that's why you're in a t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. Um, this week, another bumper edition. We're gonna have Mark swiftly losing the smile on his face as he takes us mm-hmm. through the suffering <laughs> of Exorcist Believer. <laughs> Simon's gonna look at the other end of the spectrum uh, with the classic Rosemary's Baby in 4K. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna look at uh, Studio Canal's release of Jim Jarmusch's Ghost Dog: Way of the Samurai. 4k and we'll we'll all or most of us will kind of chip in on uh house of asher on netflix finally after a month-long preview and exodus believer is gonna be our jumping off point for certainly the worst in this list our theme (laughs) of the week which is uh best and worst legacy sequels we're going to have to do some defining of terms before we no, have we're that not. argument. We're no, not. We're just going to no. very loosely go, Diving. anything goes, yes. <laughs> just, and, any and, film, just name any film yeah, you just, don't like, it's fine. Just, <laughs> just name a film, yes, it'll do. Um, <laughs> right, let's have some comps, Mark. Uh, okay. Right, so we are still partnering with Peter Tyson, so you can still win a pair of Bowers & Wilkins 607S3 mm-hmm. bookshelf speakers with uh, AudioQuest Rocket 11 speaker cable worth a whopping £919. But that's still not enough, because, yes, we're still partnering with AV.com, so you can still win a complete monitor audio and Roxanne Hi-Fi system worth £2,468. Wow. That includes a pair of monitor audio bronze 500 floor standing speakers, a Roxanne Atessa integrated amplifier, and a visual cable pack. Both of those prizes, amazing. Get entering. Uh, But if you prefer your prizes slightly smaller and slightly shaped more like a little disc, uh, there's still plenty of you, uh, plenty on offer for you as well. Uh, And you lucky patrons can win Studio Canal's Delicatessen and U571 on 4K and Cutthroat Island on Steelbook 4K, Transformers Rise of the Beasts on 4K, plus a selection of regular boring old 1080p Blu-rays that include Cry the Beloved Country, Mortal Kombat Legends, Cage Match, Justice League Times RWB, whatever that is, Y, Superheroes and Huntsman Part 2, as well as a pair of Radiance Films Limited Editions, Scream and Scream Again, and The Dead Mother. (sighs) breathe as well as upcoming competitions for several more from the it says here the excellent top 10 blu-rays for october roundup which i wrote but i didn't write that (laughs) uh, which includes second sight's chopper and the ginger snaps trilogy plus third windows door there's also a special competition from second sight which will be live before halloween i love the mystery kaz i love yeah i know it's 4k as well and uh, hang on and the big one you can win a copy of the Warner Brothers 
30 film studio collection box set on 4K Ultra HD worth £300. And for those of you watching on glorious 12p on YouTube, Ooh. Kaz <laughs> is showing the box as we speak. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Hey. It's a very nice, just to quickly take you through it, it's a very nice set. It's like the perfect starter collection. If you want to get on board with 4K, it's 30 films lavishly put together split into eras like classic era new era and modern blockbusters and uh it's it's just the 4k discs so guys go a slight warning it is a starter set for those who are coming fresh to it so it's just 34k discs and a completely separate set section which has a booklet in it and paper. some cards. Yep. It's cards what we buy these sets for. Yep. Paper. paper and wait for it. Art <laughs> cards. Tell me there's an I've art got, card. Got, no. The oh. best thing. Badges. Oh, badges. badges. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to buy this set just for the badges. I would wear them. You, yeah, you know what? You know All what? of them. You know what? I actually quite like this that one. one. No, That's no, the old Dirty no, Harry no, one, No, if that, if that was in red. This is the Dirty Harry one. No, no, no. That's the one. It is in red. You just can't see it on the camera, but it's got the red red bit around. Oh right! Nice. Oh, excellent. In which case, that is the winner. That is, that's the Dirty Harry one. And Seven strangely, this logo. Yeah, strangely, the badges worked for me. Anyway, it's a it's a it's a beautiful set. It's uh, a competition. It's good, man. It's, it's like easy that. to remember, isn't it? Because we're all in a bit of a 4K bubble, aren't we? Like we're all just like we've got oh, the ball. Yeah. <laughs> but there's, I mean, looking at disc sales figures kind of tells the real truth which is most people aren't so if, if you're not then may, maybe yes yes i think it's i think if you if you haven't started off with 4k or if you've got into 4k but you've just been picking up like new releases it's a really good way of like getting yourself jump starting that with a whole bunch of classics i mean there are lots of films good titles but, yeah, yeah some but, good stuff yeah. in that set if and anyone the, wants to send me a free covered. one, I will shill for it. I don't mind. <laughs> just, just, I just want the badges. Oh, just yeah. badge, badge. Yeah. You can't right. have that badge. Oh, you can't, you can't have that badge. Look, look. You see, you shouldn't have shown that the fact that the badges are in it. You could. I just, just want to show you the dirty you Harry badge. Take it. You could have just taken the badges out, divvied it up between us, and you know the the winner would have just got the discs and been happy with it. Yeah, it would Honestly, never have can. known. Schoolboy yeah. error. Anyway, look. Right, that's brilliant. I haven't finished yet. So. Head over to avforums.com forward slash competition. Look, you'd be stuffed if we didn't have this bit, you know. So head over to avforums.com forward slash competitions to enter. All competitions are open to eligible AV Forums members resident in the UK. So everyone, there are some banging prizes there. Get entering there right are. now. There are some good prizes in there. Right, back uh, to you, Mr. Arlo. Yeah, we've had a whole bunch of winners. Supporter Magic Candle won The Ship That Died of Shame on Blu-ray. Supporter mm -hmm. Chester won Fast X on 4K. Sorry about that. Supporter <laughs> Mark478 won the Antichrist on Blu-ray. Supporter Captain Eyecatch won uh, Crimes of the Future limited edition 4K box set that I was very sad to part with. Nice. Mm. Uh, Star Supporter Count Jedi won the complete succession box set, which is still in the house and is ridiculously big. Star Supporter Reg Tastical won uh, an It Follows limited edition 4K set. I'm sorry, that might not make it out of the house. <laughs> Star Supporter George L7A also won an Asteroid City limited edition Blu-ray bundle, which is the craziest thing. It's like um, it's like Wes Anderson designed the the bundle himself. 
it's it's a martini glass asteroid city martini glass a, a book which is like a a parody of asteroid city it's like a fake book about explosions in the desert and some soap alien but <laughs> well, alien style soap and of course the film how she shouldn't have said Do the soap you could have soap. divvied the soap up between us <laughs> oh, yeah. one of them's green one of them's green it's lord like, knows we need it radioactive green uh new <laughs> patrons uh andrew karuna luff tj slideman captain eye catch who's already won something so i really don't need to sell you um adrian price and Maison 27091. Thank you very much to all of you. And as you can guess, welcome. This, yeah, already won stuff that uh, that I, I think you know what's in store for you. Uh, and bought us a cup of coffee, uh, Greg Andrews. I don't know where it is. I could really do with the coffee right now, but thank you very much for the virtual coffee. Right, let's have some movie news and reviews. Right. As you could only expect, uh, given everything that's still going on with the strikes, there's still not a great deal at the cinema. Uh, but <laughs> out of everything that we could have seen, which involved a belated journey to like Equalizer 3, we sent Mark out to the cinema to see Exorcist Believer. And he hasn't forgiven us. I can <laughs> see he hasn't forgiven us. But he has inspired us to talk about, you know, good legacy sequels because this wasn't one was it mark no <laughs> what's the best word <laughs> mr harlow you utter swine uh okay look so i've got to come at this objectively although if you think about any form of criticism there is no objectivity in criticism whatsoever but i am going crap. to try but i'm going to try with this it is perfectly plausible that someone may come to the Exorcist, colon, believer. Watch colon it. Colon, believer. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, watch it and come away feeling, well, that was all right. It did exactly what it said on the tin. There was an exorcism. Some people may have believed stuff, so jobs are good. Un. And as David Gordon Green sh showed with Halloween, he, he can put together a film, you know, start, middle, end. Uh, it's handsome to look at. It's shot nicely. He's got a good cast that, that do all right. He ticks off all the usual stuff. Yes, get get all the iconography in there. Tick. Oh, drop tubular bells in there. There we go. Let let's bring a let's bring one or one or two old faces back. You know, for the olds. Uh, and he, he he gets all the relevant scares and all the typical modern guff that goes with a Blumhouse produced horror for it is they that are behind this so it is perfectly possible that someone may come away and go what were you talking about Costello however it is also possible that a few people out there may have seen a little film that's now celebrating 50 years called The Exorcist and if you have seen that this is an abomination <laughs> quite frankly <laughs> right it is I think I put I did some research and I tried to find how many films have exorcism or exorcist in the title or are about demonic possession. Forget it. The uh, chat GPT is not that advanced and it can tell us that. But it can tell us that there are 126 films with either exorcism or exorcist in the title. 
two of those were from before 1973. All the rest are after 1973. So you can imagine we're living in an age where the exorcism film is the new zombie film. We're reaching saturation point here. Every exorcism film that you can go out to iTunes or on your shudder or on your any VOD platform and you can just type in exorcism and my God, you'll be able to pick one that has all the same beats in. There's a small child. They go out to the woods. They come back in a slightly grumpy mood. And bang, they're spewing green vomit and talking in strange voices. And they're floating and, and all that kind of stuff. And that's it. And sadly, that is what David Gordon Green has delivered here. He has delivered a bog standard exorcism movie. Not an exorcist movie. He has delivered an exorcism movie. Now, I can kind of understand why. He got crucified for his last two Halloween films. Absolutely roistered by the fan base because he dared to try and do something different with the beloved franchise and the classic character. So you can kind of understand why he's come to this and gone, right, I'll show those buggers. They want an exorcism film? Right, I'll give them an exorcism film. And that's what he's delivered. But man, it's so disappointing, so disappointing. I mean, say what you like about all and literally all the other Exorcist sequels. They all tried to do something. We'll come back to Rennie Harlan. Uh, <laughs> but they all tried to do something. They really did. John Borman just basically fed everyone in the cast drugs and let them go nuts. It's basically the apocalypse now of Exorcism movies. Uh, but it's got some really interesting stuff in there about... Uh, how do I phrase this? Mark is uh, about to say that Heretic is good. Actually, no, no, <laughs> wait, no wait I'm not. No, no, I'm not. But 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 I appreciated there was some really good visuals. I mean, all that locust stuff in Africa with James Earl Jones and all stuff like that. It was arresting, not good, but it was arresting. Now, Exorcist Three. I think all of us who've seen it, which will be everyone, bar Kaz, because. <laughs> He's a big scaredy wuss. Uh, everyone will agree that Exodus 3 is a good sequel. It's good. I think I've seen the third one. The and third one's... Uh... George C. Scott. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you've seen that. You so made me sequel. see it. Yeah, it's great. The, the power of Christ compelled you. No? <laughs> uh, so, the, but, it, but, it, but it, it brought the characters back. It, br it brought Kinderman back, and it tried to do something about bringing it forward into a modern age. Again, not, not wholly successful, but it was a really solid film. All right, then we have the Schrader-Harlan debacle. But I watched both of these last year, and Schrader at least, again, tried to do something different. He tried to look back into Merrin's past. He tried to equate a lot of stuff uh, with faith, colonialism, war, and all that. And it was unsuccessful because, well, frankly, it was a Paul Schrader movie. So it was, you know, let's talk a lot about things and let's muse while we're stroking our chins an awful lot about stuff, while, while we're all full of horrible self-loathing and toxic masculinity. So it was a typical Schrader movie. So, of course, that got taken off him. Rennie Harlan got the hospital passes of all hospital passes here. Make something we can release out of this, you big bearded fin. Look at that. And it's no wonder what he turned out was something that wasn't exactly... Hmm. Fit for purpose, shall we say? But but if you take out the Harlan thing, I've got a, I will gladly watch any one of those Exorcist sequels, even the Heretic, over going to see Believer again because there was there was nothing that had any character. I mean, there was it there was so many. I don't want to say mistakes because I'm sure there'll be people steeped in exorcism, you know, uh, the Exorcist law that will 
will prove otherwise. But it felt so lazy in so much of its narrative. Uh, you've all seen Chris McNeil comes back, so Ellen Burstyn comes back. In it, she comes back because she's written a world-famous book about the exorcism and about her uh, her travails at the hands of Pazuzu, which is really interesting because all the way through the first film, she was desperate to try and not, not, not share it with anyone, not let anyone know. But now she's going to written a book and, and sold her soul about it. So, you know, little things like that. Little, little things where in the book, you know, the, the bit in the scene, there's a picture of where on Regan's body, the the words help me came up. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, that's really interesting because Ellen Burstyn wasn't in the room when that happened and there was no <laughs> camera. You know, so they, so just, there's some real lazy crap like that, which feels like it's been shoehorned in to be nothing but a nod back to the original film. And it's that that galls. It feels like it feels it's what annoyed me about Scream 5. It was almost all fan service. It forgot to be anything in its own right. And that's what this did. It forgot to be a film on its own. It was too busy being a gen, a generic exorcism film while trying to tick all the exorcist iconography boxes. And for me, it was horribly disappointing. Others, I'm sure, will come to it. Lazy Friday Night. Yeah, it did what it said on the tin. Not me, I'm afraid. I don't know, so, I don't know whether yeah, they perhaps. will, Mark. I don't think that the uh, results of the critical assessment of this movie or the audience assessment have been in any way positive. But it's doing gangbusters at the box office because there's nothing else to watch. And they're um, they're <laughs> hoping for three, aren't they? The, the oh. idea is that there's going to be going to be three. So I don't know what they're going to do in the middle part, but I'm really hoping that the end part is where Father Amorth, so like Russell Crowe, comes in and has to exercise yes. Father Karras from a young girl. That that is, if that happens, I'm in, man. JJ Abrams is coming back to write it as we speak. Beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> only if someone screws up the middle part well, or does something wildly different with the middle well, part. <laughs> well, well, it depends on the scuttlebutt rumors, don't you? There's all these rumors flying around that Universal paid $400 million for the rights to basically make Exorcist films. Now, on that level of investment, they ain't going to walk away from that. But what's interesting is David Gordon Green has come out and said, oh, yeah, you know, I'm, I might not direct the second and third ones. Yeah, no shit, mate. <laughs> Really it's just bonkers though, because who goes like we're gonna resurrect a horror franchise for a sequel? Who are we going to give it to? Somebody who's got really good track record with resurrecting horror franchises for a trilogy. Not David Gordon Green. <laughs> no, it's I mean it it's like like it like I say, I feel bad because I am absolutely crapping all over this because this 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 is this is my church. This is my yeah. jam we, here. We <laughs> say all of this, but did the Halloween films, the Halloween trilogy, do badly at the box office? The first uh, one, did right, didn't it? Do you know what? Yeah. I don't. I, I it don't dropped know. Off pretty quick after that. Did it really? Critically, sure, but did it do badly at the box office? I mean, they're but, not expensive to make. He made but, but, successful films. But, but, but what's really interesting is if you watch the first Halloween, the first Halloween is the one that that is closest to the original. And you could almost argue yeah, the first, it's, yeah. it's, it's the perfect, it's it's the requel. It's the remake sequel. It's, it says it's, it's a requel quill because it's like a remake of Halloween H20. Yes, it is. Oh, well, it is, but it but yes, it, it, it cheats. It cheats because it says H two O doesn't exist. So, <laughs> that's the film, not not water. Uh, so yeah, so I I know I I've crapped all over this film, 
and and tell people not to go and see it don't hold back or you're fueling the other two films in this trilogy yeah all right then kaz has convinced me no one go and see it. it's terrible okay <laughs> yeah, i've up. i've i've just read up on the spoilers and and that'll do me <laughs> i never i never read up on spoilers but for this one i was like i'm not gonna go watch it i just want to find out what happens in it and um I was very shocked to find out that spoiler gets their spoilers spoiled. So, <laughs> so there you go. So many spoilerings are inserted into spoilerings. Oh, oh my word! I tell you, no. But but even that, I, I and Tom, let's not go into details. But I bet there's not a huge amount to spoil, is there? Really? Oh, it it didn't seem like it. No, <laughs> it didn't seem like it. Apart yeah. apart, apart from possibly the most cynical nostalgia grab committed to well i was gonna say committed to film probably this year because they do it all the time this year <laughs> this but, month yeah yeah, oh. yeah. there's there's it, it ends on a very cynical note a very cynical note bad taste in mouth Blech. pea two, green vomit two from what i read about it dumbly openly stupidly political like the most blunt message that you could possibly hope for and even that was just buried because it wasn't about <laughs> it. It tries to be about the message, but then it just realizes, oh no, people come to the Exorcist movie to see the exorcism. So let's shock and awe. Come on, levitations and head spins. And it's like, no, you didn't understand it. Where's Mark Kermo to tell you what it's all about when you need him? Honestly, by the way, w- watch his rant yeah. about it because that's very funny. Anyway, that's it. I'm done. Don't go <laughs> see it. It's terrible. Right. Next up, we're going to talk 4K discs. If you enjoy the podcast on YouTube, then please like and subscribe. If you're listening to the audio version, then please leave us a rating on your podcast app. We invite you to email questions and feedback to podcast at avforums.com and join in with this episode's discussion thread in the podcasts forum at avforums. Right, so now Mark is going to quickly shout out to his excellent top 10 Blu-ray rundown, which went live last week. Uh, It's not only a typically fabulously written series of comprehensive reviews, uh, but it's also pulled from one of the broadest pools of discs I think we've ever had available since we started running these top 10 articles, like a real broad spectrum with new support from the likes of Third Window Films, 88 Films and Radiance. So, uh, yeah, it's a nice, it's, we had a nice mm. thing. I mean, we're going to have more going forward, but um, it's a nice selection. Mm, yeah, it's excellent. So go read the article. Uh, I mean, I, what I'm trying to do with these articles is bring some of the lesser known films to people's attention because there are some real gems getting thrown out on discs. And there's just two I want to bring people's attention to now. The first is 1988's Door. It's a very little known Japanese, it's, it's, it's a borderline Japanese giallo slash home invasion film. It's got a lot to say about how commercialism was sending Japan in that time. These high rises going up, young families getting isolated, getting preyed on by salespeople. And this just turns into a full on Argento-esque gonzo body horror uh, stabathon, spurtathon, gushathon in its final act. It's great. So give that a go. And the other one I wanted to draw attention to is a British film called Little Bone Lodge. 
So it's brand new. Easily dismissed because it's the new film from the director of Cockneys versus Zombies, which ain't going to sell it to many, I'll be honest. But what it is, is actually a nice little riff on the likes of Don't Breathe. Very British, quintessentially British, isolated farmhouse. Jolie Richardson came for a disabled husband and a, um, a very lonely teenage girl. A couple of crims stumble into her her farmhouse one night with a case of stolen money. And you think you know where it's going to go from there. Yeah, you don't know where it's going to go. It goes properly nuts in its final act. And it just came out of nowhere. And it's one of those films that you could very easily overlook. Do you need to buy the disc? Well, it's a good disc. It's lots, lots of good extras on it. But it's the one, if you stumble upon this on a streaming platform, you'd love it. It would, it would be your new favorite streaming film. So I just want to call out those two little films. But yeah, please do go check out the uh, list. And like we said, please comment in the threads. Any films we're missing, we're not starting to talk about in there please let us know because there's so many discs coming out each month we can only pick 10 uh and next month kaz has already given me 11 coffin joe films to review <laughs> so yeah so next month all coffin joe all the time <laughs> thanks kaz <laughs> you were you saying jolie richardson caring for her disabled husband put me in mind of a very different film there mark which if you know you know <laughs> You know, you know, I saw the trailer for Little Bone Lodge and I just immediately thought Mark is going to love this. Yes. I watched it, watched it ages ago when um, when we it was up for, I think, a digital release. Or so. I saw the trailer and I thought, yeah, it's good. This, this... It's not going to win any awards. No, it, but this is still your, your really, jam. It's a really solid little thriller that just goes to some really icky places and you go, oh, I appreciate that. Um, and I have to say, I was quite interested in Door. Uh, more so maybe door two because in mark's right up he's so this package from third window it has door but as an extra it's got door two the sequel with, with a different cast um but in it mark says it's it's somewhere along the lines of like jade meets basic instinct you had me at jade <laughs> <laughs> then, i was like i got i got on this down um, so it's very 60, nice. It's, Sixty-eight it's, minutes. It's like an extended issue uh, episode of the Red Shoe Diaries. Honestly, God, it's 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 wow. a little bit little bit saucy. That's a callback. <laughs> it's a little bit saucy. I have expected the company to pop up in the background at one point. Anyway, moving on from all this sexy yeah, talk. Tell, tell us what's out on four K. Uh, so yes, in the UK, Warner Brothers, as we, as we have just seen continue to milk their back catalogue for the Centurion, but at least there's still some bangers left in the locker. Uh, Harrison Ford classic The Fugitive is coming on the 20th of November, while Spielberg's The Colour of Purple is coming out a fortnight after on the 4th of December. Disney are bringing out Indiana Jones and the Dial of Disappointment in one of the <laughs> laziest and most horribly <laughs> packaged releases I've seen in a dog's age around the first week of December. Not yet officially announced for the UK, but it has been for the state, so we can expect it around a similar time. Uh, Studio Canal, here's one for uh, here's one for Sire, I should say. Studio Canal have announced Peeping Tom, oh, on. of January, in a full on 4K restoration. Oh, come on! Uh, and Kaz has already reviewed the Super Duper edition, but Eureka are bringing a standard release of their Police Story trilogy out on December the fourth, which is Thank nice. You. Oh, neat! I'll have those. Good. Now over uh, to the butt. More exciting things are happening across the water. Face off. 
Yes, for it is that, is finally coming from Kino Lorber on December the 12th. Hallelujah. Can we all grab that choir singer's bottom like Nicolas Cage does and give it an amen? Not um, to uh, not to derail, but have you seen the cover for it? It's it's not no. super attractive. Oh, oh <laughs> but, well, <laughs> that has derailed it. Thanks. Because uh, no, we were talking about this on the last poddy, uh, Shout Factory have indeed confirmed JFK for the 19th of December, which yep. is good. Uh, Sony have confirmed the Equalizer 3. That will arrive in all its sun-drenched Italian finery on November the 14th and at some point in December in the UK, I believe. Uh, however, just, just today, just a few hours ago, Criterion dropped not one, not two, but three bombs in their January release slate. Lone Star, fantastic John Sayles noir western. Blood Simple, the oh. Cohen's excellent noir. Mm. And the daddy, Train Spotting, all in oh. 4K coming from Criterion in January. Oh, that's going to be an like a legacy, uh, legacy it did. sequel. It did. And it's no wonder we didn't mention it in our discussions. <laughs> anyway, moving on. The other thing we've talked about is Paramount have, yes. Remember, we, I had a little rant about their Paramount Scares Volume 1 collection and their mystery title that they yeah. were keeping well under wraps. Sadly, it has been revealed. It is the Tim Burton sing-along Sweeney Todd. So get those pre-orders cancelled immediately. <laughs> uh, however... However, don't don't sack off Paramount just yet because just move those pre-orders over to their late 90s teen banger Varsity Blues. Oh, yes. Fans of Paul Walker, James Van Der Beek and Whipped Cream. You'll know what I mean. That is coming on January the 9th. If you haven't seen it, go and watch it. It's amazing. Uh, and finally, I normally end on a rant. This is less of a rant, but it's more of a warning. It's still a rant. It's not a rant. It's a, <laughs> it, it is still a rant. It is. It's really. It's a continuing rant. <laughs> well, yes, yes. It's it's a legacy sequel rant, if you will. Uh, just a few weeks ago, we were talking about the sad demise of the last voyage of the Demeter over here. It hadn't been released at all. Kaz mm. had seen a US digital version, but it was nowhere to be seen in the release slates over here. Well, guess what? Over in the US, it's popping out on disc. It's literally popping out on disc this week, but at 1080p only. That's right. No 4K, 1080p only. Now, remember, this is from Universal. They released Megan, 1080p only, and then six months later, they got a 4K. So I will mm. bet my house the last Voyage of the Demeter will get a later 4K release within the next six months. So my advice, don't go and buy this now. Just hold fire. Try and wait because I, I guarantee there'll be a 4K release of this. See, this is what you make us do, Universal, you swines. I'm going to take that bet because I like any chance of winning Mark's house. I mean, <laughs> and some of those discs, supposedly. <laughs> yeah, the, are they included? No, 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 that's the house, the, the brick, and mortar, no, the discs. mortar, the family. You can have them all, but you're not. Do you have any badges? Do you, have, do you have some badges? I, I, I do. I have two badges. Okay, we're not having them. Okay, right, we're in the done. drum kit. Okay, yes, you can have that. <laughs> Right, done. What are we talking about next, Kaz? Sai's going to tell us about something good. To, 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 please to cheer please, us all Cy. up. Rosemary's Baby in 4K. Is there an ident or am I talking about it now? 
No, you're talking about it right now. This oh, right. Oh, it's the way you Righteous introduce precise. that. <laughs> you introduced that. I was going to. I'm with you, Sai. It sounded. It sounded like though it's like we were going to run an ident for that. Have we got a Rosemary's <laughs> Baby ident? We don't have a <laughs> we Rosemary's need Baby. One. We well, should advertising. Have one. Like I don't know what would we advertise if we were Satanism. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be a great <laughs> advert. It's like run an ident for Satanism and it would back. forget to come along to avforums.com and read the Rosemary's Baby review. <laughs> there we go. And we're there back. There we go. So, and we're back. Now, Simon's so going to review Rosemary's Baby. Yes, yes, here we go. Right, okay, so Rosemary's Baby. Now, where, where are we? Let's wind the clock back. 55 years because that's when this was released can you believe that actually a year older than me yes yeah, so there we go 1968 Roman Polanski um his first Hollywood film um he was not he had nothing to do with the Hollywood machine he didn't really um know uh, how to work within uh Hollywood at that time um and that was a real boom because he churned out something that was absolutely remarkable for its time and it's remarkable because bugger all happens during the film it's quite remarkable but it's shot through with unease it's a dreadful dreadful film because all the way through you're going no this can't be happening no this is horrible oh my god this is no no oh no that's okay doesn't it oh my god no it's holy oh what's going on and you get that from the first frame all the way through all the way through right until that horrible horrible last scene when Rosemary, who has gone through quite literally hell, and back, and she walks back into hell. It's it's a remarkable film, absolutely remarkable. Um, and it, uh, it sort of created a genre all for itself. I mean, without Rosemary's Baby, you wouldn't have The Exorcist. I'm, you wouldn't have all, all the dread, dreadful horror ghosty type Satanist films. They don't exist. Um, they, they just wouldn't happen because... Uh, Palatsky did something quite extraordinary. He created a genre for for cinema, which still exists today, and it's it's uh, that's what makes this film quite so remarkable. I love it. I love it. And Paramount have done a pretty good job with this disc. Um, it's difficult to find um, uh, the full details um, of of exactly what's gone on with it, but it looks like it's uh, it's certainly uh, a native four K scan. Um, and it's been treated very, very well. Um, uh, there's a tremendous amount of detail going on, right from you know the, the close-up skin down, skin detail, the uh, the painters they're painting poor old Mia on that raft as it floats out in her dream. Um, there's some um, terrific colouring as well. The uh, it's Dolby Vision, and you've got some fantastic colouring there. The the the, the gaudy '60s clothing that they wear the um there's not a lot of red in it it's quite yellow and green the film um, but when the red comes out it really punches you in the face so when you get um i tell you what really stood out for me in in the uh the first part of the dream part um she's sort of floating floating through um and it's the you, you see it later in the film it's the the she's going through and there's a big fiery type flames going on in the background as she's floating by um uh, spoiler alert the it's actually as she's being transported from her apartment to the neighbor's apartment and there's that picture on the wall which is of, of a flaming barn that's what the, that's the picture that you see and it's a light and flaming and it looks extraordinary because there's a fantastic black level as well 
very, very nice picture. I was I was most very, very impressed with it. Um, it's cleaned up very well. Um, there's a nice um, uh, sheen of grain throughout. Um, it's got a fairly good filmic tone to it. Um, not a not a perfect picture, but pretty pretty close. Pretty close. Um, soundtrack. You've got a uh, what is it? LPCM two two mono. Uh, that's what it is. Two channel mono. Um, and that's pretty good as well. Um, you're not going to expect any bells and whistles from something like that, but it it, it is. Uh, gets its information across very, very well. So you've got uh, the dialogue, which is a very dialogue-heavy film, so that's nice, clear, and um, precise. And you've got all the effects that come, like the outside horns and the street noises and bits and bobs like that, and nicely well-layered. And, of course, the score as well. That comes in very, very well, and it, it, it plays very, very nicely. Sadly, for what is supposed to be a 55-year anniversary edition disc, they've put bugger else on it. You know, there's no new extras at all. It's mm. old legacy stuff, which is, you know, a bit, you know. Anyway, what can you do? Um, certainly worth getting for the uh, for the film, though. It's it's a tremendous film. Um, but as as a as a set, I think I marked it down a little bit because it could have done it could have been better. Certainly as a as a 55 year anniversary. If if they'd just released it without that banner on it, it probably would have scored a little bit higher. But because it had this anniversary thing on it, I said nah. That's a bit off. That's a bit off. Well, Can't Cr- Craig, scored it. No. Criterion stacked there. They put out a US disc what, three or four years ago, and they stacked that, didn't they? So it's mm. possible to to find stuff. And Christ, there were, you're trying to tell me you can't find a horror director who won't want to prattle on about how good Rosemary's Baby is for an hour or two. We exactly. could have done it. They could have got yeah, us. We to could do have done it. it. Yeah, yeah. Swans. Yeah, we could have done it. Yeah. Paramount, call us. Mm. <laughs> um. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, it's it's a goodie. Excellent. Definitely picking that up, Si. Excellent. Thank you for that. Very nice. Um, I've also had a chance to to look at a disc this week. It's Ghost Dog, Way of the Samurai. Um, It's easily my favourite Jim Jamoosh film. Nah. Uh, (laughs) Do you just go, nah? Or do you go, yeah? I said, snap. (laughs) I thought it was like, straight away, nah. Nah. You're kidding me. The dead don't die. That's my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, he he does do eclectic. He has an eclectic resume. He does do uh, enigmatic indie flicks across the board crazy. Um, Ghost Dog, I would say, is, is, is... all of the all of his movies are pretty inaccessible, and it's the most accessible of his inaccessible movies. Um, and and the only way I can describe what you're looking at it's it's a combination of um, where the samurai Japanese musings, um, obnoxious par- near parody Italian gangsters rapping Flavor Flav, uh, communication between via passenger pigeon. Interaction between characters who don't speak the same language, uh, balletic shootouts, and a score by uh, Wu Tang Clan's, Clan's RZA. I I'm mean, sold. Yeah, it's, it's so good. It, I'm it's sorry, so good. Me. What, what are you talking about? I'm... Yeah, <sighs> Simon. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense that you could possibly put fuse these things together. Somehow, I mean, you could probably say that about a lot of things that Joe Moosh has done, but somehow he got it just right here. Um, 
it's it's mm. not only my favorite of his movies one of my favorites from Forrest Whitaker who's the lead who's Ghost Dog who apparently Jarmusch wouldn't have done the film without him taking the lead he 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 had it in mind for him to play this part and he is tremendous he, he doesn't have a line of dialogue for like the first half of the movie he just uh narrates it with quotes from the hagakiri the 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 way of the samurai and it's it's just genius this guy who's like um he's like he's he's been born in the wrong era uh wrong century um living this weird samurai code also an assassin for the mob and the mob they've got their own code or they've got their just shoot everybody code and it's very interesting he's he's just he lives lives his whole life is this series of very antiquated rules but they're strangely by by Jarmusch they're strangely integrated into the film in such a way that you can almost see their applicability it's it's madness because the the rules are crazy they're like you know don't don't try and avoid the rain by walking under the awnings on buildings because you just get just as wet. Just walk straight ahead with purpose. It's, don't it's step kind on of, the cracks in the pavement. That kind yes, of. yeah. Don't eat really, yellow snow. It's really very, very specific rules that you could almost stand alone when you're reading the book. You really have to you have to dig deep to try and apply them. But somehow Jarmusch has taken them and put them in this movie about gangsters and hitmen and whatever the hell else it's about and managed to bring those words to life at the same time which is is quite an achievement and i'd forgotten just how impressive that was until this revisit it's courtesy of uh, studio canal they've done the 4k restoration uh, i don't think they messed it up as, at all it, it was shot on a budget it is an indie flick but it's dripping in fine detail and texture um it's particularly evident because he's got this this propensity for close-up reaction shots um you know Forrest Whitaker's carrier he trains pigeons passenger pigeons and when he finds a a dead pigeon it's like the most emotional this character gets and it's all shot of a pigeon shot of his face shot of a pigeon shot of his face and it's really it's very well done but the 4k um the 4k restoration is superb it really nails down the detail even on those close-ups on every little bit uh deep inky black levels even some nice pop on the the street lights and the and the lighting around it uh the it's a dts hdma 5.1 track but um it's just pure bass i mean you wouldn't expect anything less from wu-tang clan kind of notes but uh it's not really what you would expect from this movie and um, his character, Ghost Dog's propensity for turning everything up to 21 when he gets in any car he's stolen is just fabulous because you you just get silence and him walking through the night and a bit of a, a score in the background, which is is very appropriate. And then he'll get in the car and he'll just keep turning that volume knob, and, knob until it's 21 and the floor is shaking. It's very nice. Um, it's got a selection of extra features on the accompanying Blu-ray uh, and it's available as a standard 4K release or a limited edition steelbook 4K release, not completely sold on the artwork of it. But um, but it's a nice set. And who'd have ever thought Ghost Dog in 4K? It's so brilliant. Like, I'm, I'm, 
I think I'm probably just gonna go for it and, and buy because I I I absolutely love this movie. It's so good. It's 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 like a lot of Jarmusch's movies in that like it's almost funny, but this one is almost funny in a good way. Uh, you know, <laughs> yes. instead of almost funny, like miss the mark, mate. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's but no, absolutely love this movie. Love it. Mm. Love the the futility of passing on the samurai code to a, a little girl. It is it's yeah, so I mean it's all, all I mean Henry Silver from like above the law pops up in it. And he's <laughs> he's he's just he's an extremely stiff uh gangster, but it's superbly played. Like little things like when he hears about how he communicates by passenger pigeon, it's just you know, it's just that, that it's 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 so absurd to these old school crime bosses. And they're played they're played, I think, like like a like a complete pastiche, like they're they're cartoony characters, but they're also played really well. Um, I think they they nail it. Anyway, we'll be running a competition for that as well. So look out for that. For those who've Excellent. not really heard of it, sigh. Mm. Might, I'll try and get your spare disc. Yeah. My my watch is talking to me now, but yes. Yeah. No, I'm going to check that. I've I've heard of it. I've just never seen it. So I'll be we need that. to we need uh, ghost dog converts across the board that's what we need to do tom it's super brills go for it so so you know what kaz you need to watch the wicker man and we'll watch jarmush there you go <laughs> i deal. think he's got a better deal <laughs> i haven't got any homework uh, <laughs> we'll find <laughs> something tom we'll find something. next up streaming and tv show news and our theme of the week best and worst legacy sequels if you'd like to support the AV Forums podcast on a regular basis, then why not become a patron? Head over to patreon.com forward slash AV Forums to sign up. You can also make a one-off donation through the Super Chat or via streamlabs.com forward slash AV Forums. All donations help us to improve the website and the podcasts. Thank you to all our supporters. Right, let's quickly have some TV news. Tell us a little bit about Loki. I mean, most people will be on board, but go. Nah. Go. Oh, okay. I will just say very briefly that um, it so far is retaining the title of most interesting Marvel TV show. I am thoroughly enjoying it. Since uh, when? Well, Loki has always <laughs> been the best one, Simon. I mean, oh, WandaVision, right. oh, okay. WandaVision <laughs> was quite brills. Um, but I think just for consistency, I enjoyed season one of Loki. I, the I best of... Of any of them, okay. um, but yeah, it, it's back, and all of the best stuff about the first season has been retained. So, like, the production design is still thoroughly delightful, all the way through the weird, like, seventies futurism um, is so good. And short um, round, like Kei Kwan is in it, and he is just a delight every second that he is on screen. Um, so that's lovely as well. Um, I'm not going to bang on about it too much just because there's only a couple of episodes out, but the first episode was a real good reintroduction into the world of Loki. The second episode was a bit like structurally weird, like just like dumping you into the middle of a plot line, which had only sort of been established, which I was not thoroughly convinced by, but was still a lot of fun. Um, and sets up some some good places for the the series to go. Um, one of the lead creative voices from the first series, Kate Heron, is not involved 
at all this season. Um, so how that affects the way that it unfolds, um, I guess we will find out um, because she was definitely one of the the leading lights of the of the first series and definitely one of the guiding voices that made it um, as, um, like I said at the beginning, as cohesive um, as it was, especially in comparison to a lot of the other Marvel stuff. But in her stead, um, Benson and Moorhead have taken over the majority of directing duties. So that's really nice. They did a they did a great episode in the first season, and then they did some fun stuff with Moon Knight, um, <laughs> which was overall. I guess it was okay, but their like their style suits it well. Their style yeah. suits Loki well, is mm. what I, I mean yes. to say. I, I can see that. And Excellent. they are very clearly just having a ball with it, and and um, as is every single member of the cast, and that's quite fun to watch. We will see if it un unravels over the next like six weeks, but um, yeah, so far very enjoyable. Excellent. And on the flip side, I couldn't care a toss <laughs> that's okay that's okay simon that's okay <laughs> hashtag not my mcu said si <laughs> right finally after watching on a preview like a month ahead of schedule i get to talk about uh, usher and it feels almost quite anticlimactic particularly as si hasn't even watched it not yet mm. but i've got uh, you know i watching all that mcu stuff <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be too high hopes now. But for me, it's like a fuse of uh, American horror story meets succession, very much by way of Edgar Allan Poe. Uh those familiar with um the creator Mike Flanagan's resume will kind of know what to expect. He did did the impossible doing an impressive legacy legacy sequel <laughs> to uh The Shining and Doctor Sleep. He did uh a succession of um, Netflix projects, which were, I would say, more hit than miss. Um, he, he did a adaptation of Stephen King's Gerald, Gerald's Game. He did the excellent Haunting of Hill House, and he yeah. did the very divisive follow-up Bly Manor. Uh, he did a couple of Midnights, Midnight Club and Midnight Mass. Again, one divisive, one excellent. And uh, I mean, he's done a lot of similarish content i think in in terms of what you're going to expect from him next but even though i think that haunting hill house is is one of my favorites from him it very much feels like usher was a real magnum opus to close out his netflix run um it's uh it's the name's taken from a specific book from poe but it's an eight episode ode to everything edgar Allan poe I mean, it's infused from top to bottom by anything you can imagine from Poe, uh, from direct quotes to all of his characters and all of his stories and all of his everything is in there in some way, shape or form. And it's really nice the way he's weaved into it. It's not just about House of Usher. In fact, House of Usher is almost just the title in comparison to everything else that gets swept up along the episodes. Um, it's got a uh, perpetually underrated Bruce Greenwood in in the the bit the, the standout role is a it's a pretty impressive performance from him and it's got the perpetually seductive Carla Gugino um, who is who is 
fabulous in her mystery role. Anyone can guess it straight from the first 10 minutes. Um, I would say give it the first two episodes because at the end of the second episode, something happens that will make you probably want to just continue because it, it's it, it's enough to get you there. And uh, for my money, uh, episode three has just a tremendous speech from um, from Greenwood on uh, that will reass- make you reassess the phrase "making lemons out of lemonade," making lemonades out of lemon, even. But um, yeah, it's yeah, I think it's excellent. And I got Mark on board, and crazily, he watched something I recommended, and even more crazily, he watched more than ten minutes of it. And oh, tootin'. Yeah, he's, you finished it? Finished it. Uh, finished 20 minutes before the podcast started. Dedication. Started what, it. It's what m- you need if you want to be a record morning. breaker, Kaz. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I loved it. Uh, I, I, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Huge Flanagan fan. I, I'm, I'm not a hardcore Poe fan. I, I know Poe through, through, his, through the film adaptations, but I really appreciated how clever it it, it was weaving each one of his. It, the structure is is, is quite interesting because at times it felt very much like an anthology series. Yeah, you know, this episode we're going to follow this member of the Usher family, and because each episode takes a slightly different Poe story and turns that into into this narrative, they all feel quite different. So at times you're looking at an almost anthology series but it still had a single connective narrative going all the way through it. So it was really cleverly done. Uh, there was some real, real good moments of proper ick in there <laughs> as well. You know, I always like a, you know, a, a good splash of claret every now and again, you know, it just, just helps you wind the day down nicely. Uh, and I really appreciated that. But ultimately, I think you're right. When you said it was a, his magnum opus, this felt, it felt grandiose. You know, you could look at you, you could look at Hill House and go, well, it it, it was a, a very nice ghost story. This is what it was. But it's very well done. But 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 this feels on another level. The cleverness of the plotting, the intricacy of weaving the stories together. And I think you're right about the cast. I think you know, from top top to bottom, uh, the cast are ace in it. Absolutely brilliant. And yeah, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. And trust me, I don't think I've ever said that about anything you've recommended, Cat. So, oh, you no. know. I know, I feel you. High praise. Must, must be special indeed. Well, I, I, I must start that list of Seagal films you gave me. It's particularly high praise given I'm recommending it in the horror genre. No, it was excellent. Honestly, Kaz nailed it in his review. Uh, I thought it was great. Everyone watch it. Check it out. It's great. Uh, and Tom, you, you've just started it, not quite sold, but enjoying it. We'll watch the rest. Uh, yeah, I'm halfway through and uh, it took me a while to get into it. I think it, I've gone on record before of saying Flanagan's propensity to lean on a monologue um, doesn't really work for me a lot of the time. But there's there's much less of that in The Fall of the House of Usher, which I'm really pleased by. And yeah, I'm I'm getting on quite well with it. I this is it's the most I've enjoyed one of Mike Flanagan's um adaptation things um since Hill House maybe um maybe Midnight Mass but yeah uh, it's along those lines so I'm I'm quite enjoying it. Nice. 
I'm going to give a super quick shout out because we do want to get to our theme with that with more than five minutes left to go. <laughs> uh, stuff on streaming, The Burial, Tommy Lee Jones, Jamie Foxx, nice little under, underdog courtroom drama. Uh, Boiling Point Returns is a TV show um, spin-off from the Stephen Graham movie Fair Play, which is an excellent little psychological drama on Netflix. Survival at Sea with Nowhere on Netflix, uh, Korean revenge actioner ballerina on Netflix, and Bargain, which is on Paramount Plus. It's uh, for all you Squid Game fans. Another Korean survival show. So boom, uh, is, there. Is, is, is it in Dolby Vision HDR, Kaz? Uh, I, I I take the fifth. Oh, no <laughs> sale, no sale. <laughs> if it's not, not watching it. Oh man, man. Anyway. Any any torso views from the side? <laughs> Plenty. <laughs> Plenty. Yes. Yes, there's a lot of of torsos. Um our theme. Our theme following Exorcist Believer, we take a look at best and worst mm, legacy sequels. Uh legacy sequels for those at home just listening, I'm doing massive air quotes just to make Tom feel better. Legacy sequels. Okay, nobody knows what it means, but we're going to say it's <laughs> it's something does, which a lot of these. Fi- no, don't do it. Don't do it. I've, I've got don't it right here. It. It'll it get right complicated. Yeah, Tom's going to say no, so we're going to go with legacy sequels, and but... they encompass all the films we're going to talk about today. Uh, so, for example, legacy sequels: Top Gun Maverick, uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, Mad Max Fury Road. For example, they're, they're all clear good examples of of good stuff not the worst um so mark give us your best right so as usual i'm not going to go best and worst because that's just boring (laughs) i'm going to go favorite and most disappointing just because i can yes my favorite bit left field 2010 the year we made contact very good. Why is that a legacy sequel? Why is that a legacy sequel? I'm very glad you asked, Tom. If you go to to Wikipedia, (laughs) you will see the definition of a legacy sequel, and I quote, is a work that follows the continuity of the original works, but takes place further along the timeline, focusing on new characters with the original ones still present in the plot. No, no original no no original characters. Wikipedia. Yeah, there is. Haywood Floyd, Roy Scheider. Haywood oh, Floyd, okay. Isn't it? Yeah, Floyd. I guess. Oh, fine. Okay, okay. There we go. Fine. Uh, so anyway, I think 2010 probably, and I think I can speak for most people who watched it, are probably really surprised by it because how on earth do you follow 2001? You, you probably can't. Well, mm-hmm. Arthur C. Clarke did, and actually the books after it, 2061, and was it 2084? I can't remember. 3001. 3001, that was it, with uh, the astronaut who floated off back into space, floating back. Nice. It's Floyd. Uh, so, yeah, so so 2010, I just thought, had no right to be as good as it did. Obviously, there, there was elements of it, re- not remaking, but revisiting the first one. The monolith is now heading to Earth. They send another spaceship out to go and see it. But obviously, this time, passing more comment on, well, the Cold War at the time with a joint US-Russian crew. Uh, and with genuine proper film stars in Roy Scheider, Helen Mirren, uh, I, I, I just, I really liked it. I just thought this was going to be utter garbage, but I thought it, it did really well to try and f- not just follow the film, but go with that whole, well, this thing happened, right? We discovered, you know, we're not alone in the universe. What, what would we do? 
what, what would anyone do at this? And I thought he did an absolute bang up yeah. job. Uh, Peter Himes directed it, did a really, really good job. Didn't Himes see... is underrated. Himes is great. Uh, it's it, just it, a lot with a little. And, and he did a, just, just a superb job of, it, it obviously took place in the 2001 years, but it didn't feel like 2001. It wasn't slavishly aping the style or anything like that. I, I just, I was just really surprised with how good 2010 was. So yeah, most surprising, I think. A, a, a lot of the others, the ones you mentioned there, Top Gun Maverick, you know, Top Gun Maverick is, is a great legacy sequel, but I think, let's be honest, for three years with the trailers, we all expected that to be ace, and it was. I think this one I had no expectations for. Unlike my worst <laughs> one, which I had all the expectation in the world, and Phantom Menace. Believe, believe me when I say this, I watched the trailer in my kitchen on a Friday morning, and I wept. I wept when I saw the trailer for this. My God, I bawled like a small child. So imagine my disappointment when I came out of Star Wars The Force Awakens. <laughs> oh, Mark hating on a perfectly oh. okay movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, I was so... I hadn't been that disappointed. In fact, you know what? I was less disappointed coming out of Attack of the Clones, and I hated that film. You've but, I was less dis- but I was less disappointed. Just, I mean, to, just to clarify, Mark, Mark isn't currently being sarcastic. Just, <laughs> no, just, no, this no, isn't no. a gag. I'm just, no, just to I, clarify. I, I, I legit... The, as Tom has quite rightly said, the Force Awakens. It, it looks like Star Wars. It, it it sounds like Star Wars. There's there's some Star Warsy bits in it, but it remade the first film. That's all it did. I mean, the fact of the matter is, with how many years of expanded universe mythos, and what did they give us? Another Death Star, <laughs> another trench run. Oh my Christ! Really? This is what they've another desert planet. Oh my God! This is what they've given us. So disappointed. Oh, I still love it. Do, 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 you know, do you know what? I, I will say this now objectively the rise of skywalker is even worse but i will watch that over the force awakens any day because my expectations are in the toilet for the rise of skywalker and that's fine you give like resurgence a pass but you went to it for force awakens God right jj abrams tom Beth. hello oh uh the one the one that you've written down for me <laughs> yes um, is one that i just mentioned in passing like is this a legacy sequel the color of money which is so brilliant it's great you've got to yeah. say oh it's my your best now you've got to say it's your best now. it is it is the best like um the hustler is unmatched paul newman yeah. at his best mm. at the height of his powers um and then 25 years down yeah. the line they brought him back uh, same character to teach Tom Cruise how to be a hustler, and it is so good. It is gripping from start to finish, and um, I think yeah, I prefer for... it. I think I prefer it. To and do you know what? That like that's totally legitimate because it is just it's it's so great. Is and um, yeah, Scorsese took the helm to to make this. Uh, so, like Scorsese's not a sequel guy, is he really? No. <laughs> um but yeah it's it's um unmatched in my opinion in terms of legacy sequels <laughs> it's the it's one of those ones uh where i didn't expect them to go down that way with the young upcoming star and the old veteran not wholly dissimilar to i remember when i saw a spy game 
and they have like Brad Pitt and Robert Redford, really old Robert Redford. Oh and man, they got, like they got uh, Brad Pitt at the height of his game, but it's a, it's a Robert Redford movie. And if you watch Color of Money, it's Tom Cruise. It's Tom Cruise movie. No, it's it's not. Do you know it's what a the human movie? The thing that it made, the thing that it now puts me in mind of is when they did uh, Money Never Sleeps, Wall Street Two, oh, and you think oh. like. Oh man, they were going for this. Like, this yeah. is what they wanted. And yeah, it was. Boy, oh boy, did they miss the mark. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Color of Money. If you've not seen it, I, just go and see it. It like you're good missing film. out. It's so Great good. Great film. And and worst. I don't know. There are so many. Like in general, I I just really dislike the propensity to 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 basically warm over like long dead franchises. Um, so for that reason, I'm probably going to say like Ghostbusters Afterlife. I was just going to say, I bet you're going to say Ghostbusters. Man, I like. I was annoyed all the way through that movie. There wasn't. I can't remember a single moment of that movie where I wasn't slightly annoyed. And then as the second half kicks in, and they just rerun Ghostbusters one shot for shot, almost. I was just like, why am I watching this? Like. Yeah, I really, really deeply dislike that movie. And Mark, you made a, a bold statement in saying that you would rather watch The Rise of Skywalker over The Force Awakens. I would rather watch Ghostbusters 2016 <gasps> over Afterlife. Wow. wow. 2016 you, is, is, is fine. You I'm heard it fine. here, folks. Okay. You heard it here. Very nice. <laughs> Bloody hell. Oh, up in the game, Sai. Can you uh, can you go more controversial? Are we are we getting Die Hard Two territory here? As, yeah. as what as the best one? Well, there's only there's only one. There is only one. Blues Brothers Two Thousand, surely. <laughs> <laughs> well, the best I, and the worst. I've never <laughs> seen. Nice. <laughs> surely, I mean, you know. Mike drop. Oh, Thank you and good night. Yeah. Thank you. Good night. Now, well, you know, I just, I just, that come to me as you, as we were talking there, because you, you have put a list up, and um, I've been doing my own research on this, and I was thinking, hang on a minute, Blues Brothers two thousand, that was that surely got to qualify. Definitely oh, yeah. qualifies. Yeah. yeah. As which though, both it's got, it's, as as both best and worst. I would think. I mean, uh, if I if I was a little bit facetious, I think uh, as a best, I'd probably have to go with something like Doctor Sleep or, or Fury Road. Um, mm. They're great films. Um, they're really, really good. And for worst, I'm going to pick anything done by Kevin Smith in the last five or ten years. Yeah, those, agree. Those, yeah, they're just it's in, it's embarrassing, it's isn't embarrassing it? Embarrassing that that someone was was so good has yeah. now. I don't know what's happened to the man. He must know it's embarrassing, though. But he, maybe, I think maybe he definitely like Clerks Three was kind of a hint of like, isn't this weird and awkward and stupid and self indulgent and rubbish? Um, to which the answer is yes, it yeah, is. Why did he make this? <laughs> it is, yeah. I mean, I know he, the, the, he was based on the heart attack thing, but I mean, it's just cringeworthy. I don't know. So hang on. So Ghostbusters Afterlife got a 9 out of 10 from me. Clark, <laughs> Clark, three, still... Clark 3 got an 8 out of 10. I'm I'm beginning to spot something here. <laughs> Mark it, just it, loves nostalgia it, it, base. It's a little picture of me just gradually getting smaller and smaller on the screen. I'm yeah, I get fade out. Into I should be nothing. I should be worried that you like Til, um, House of Usher. You should be. You should be. 
Go, um, go on, Kaz, round us out. Well, I mean, I you know, there's no denying for me, like Maverick wasn't. You can't I mean, say you can't say that. It wasn't the one. It's just because Mark was saying that everyone expected Maverick to be great. I don't know whether everyone expected that for that period of time when they announced the sequel. No one expected it to turn out the way it did. But I'm not going to say that because I'm going left field and I'm I'm picking Tron Legacy because oh he's Tron I, yeah I, I don't know whether I was completely nuts about the first movie but I was in a certain phase of my life and then I came back to it I it was um the the first movie was was raw and different and very uh, very innovative but when they came back with Tron Legacy it was just such an experience it was one of the first pure audio visual experiences I'd ever yeah, encountered you know the Daft Punk soundtrack the perfect matching um i mean it was the visuals were insane then you just went to cut out the effects slow down the visuals and put that score in and just have someone turn a bar into a, a, a light cycle and just race off and it just looked and sounded so amazing and and had suddenly brought this world to life in a way that you know if you put it side by side with the original tron it's like what this is crazy how do we get here um it's an utter nonsense story but it's possibly one of those examples where it really doesn't matter mm. you're just mm. so involved in it i still listen to the soundtrack actually it's awesome yeah, it's, it's absolutely awesome worst is i mean it's hilarious so, so I, I couldn't get through resurgence i wanted to put it in there as my worst but i couldn't get through it Basic Instinct 2, uh, I have to say Basic Instinct is one of my uh, guilty pleasure, kind of those, those. what is it, 90s? Don't be 90s. guilty. Don't it, be guilty. It, it's it, amazing. It's, it's Verhoeven. It's crazy over the top, but he balances everything just right. And to do Basic Instinct 2 it just felt like a straight-to-video piece of shit it's just really very bad but you know i had this epiphany when i was doing worst and i was thinking because someone was talking about how michael mann's doing heat two i've read his book his heat that, two book. man that that movie is going to be terrible i'm telling you right now <laughs> i can't wait the worst legacy sequel is going to be heat two you heard it here <laughs> first yeah man plus the the writing in that book is spectacular it's 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 just everything in heat which was already bordering on you know typically sort of man dialogue dialed up to 11 it's really so crazy um i can't watch we'll watch we'll no it's, no, it's no, not us I'll, I'll send you some excerpts of the dialogue from that book he's gonna make that He's going to ruin Heat. He's going to go back and forth. The timeline's insane. It's a prequel, sequel, midway through everything kind of movie. It's it's so crazy. It's it, you got to read the book to just experience how bad a book can be. But um, <laughs> I was going to say, be... like, oh, they, they've got some de aging to do, but they've got a bit more work than that. They've to got do. a lot of work oh, to do. Really, they sad. could get three different people to play Pacino. It's it, yeah. It's... Remember, remember 
remember when they just used to recast? Remember that? Oh, nah, then, the then, days, yeah. Well, I remember, like... yeah. I remember when that was okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's still okay, but no one seems to think it is. It's I mean So what what have we learned about legacy sequels, kids? It's all about expectations. It's yes. all about the expectations you bring to them. They can all be fine. They can they're all fine on one level, but it's all about those expectations you bring to each one of those. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that. I didn't have any expectations of Tron Legacy that blew me away. So yes. Yes. Very nice. Okay. Well, I think we're there. Coming soon. Next month, uh, we'll have made it through all three and a half hours of Scorsese's Killers of the Far Moon, suffered through Liam Neeson's retribution on Sky. Oh, my God. They should get they should get him on board for Heat 2. Um, and your, like we found out... open access review of that is quite brilliant, actually. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to... I really access, want to publish it. Access, yeah, I, I, I did get a bit aggressive. It's Yeah, yes. Uh, we're going to check out Netflix's high-profile Chris Evans, Emily Blunt vehicle, Pain Hustlers, um, which looks like it might kill Netflix's recent surprisingly strong winning streak. <laughs> um, dope sick. Yeah, it's on on disc. We've got uh, Hellraiser Quartet, which Yay. I say it's coming soon, but Mark published it. It's already up now. Yeah, and uh, it's it already looks spectacular. Mm. But tell us about the packaging, Mark. <laughs> it's it's not standard it's not, it's not standard <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna look at have an early look at arrows tremors 2 size taking a look at that i watched it tonight is it blue or green that packaging it's blue it's the blue pack it's the check disc <laughs> <laughs> it's a check disc yeah come on a clear <laughs> and we'll have uh, made a dent in the this insane warner brothers uh 100th anniversary 30 film studio collection uh, we're missing reviews for the likes of Maltese Falcon, Rebel Without a Cause, East of Eden, Rio Bravo, Cool Hand Luke, Casablanca, Goodfellas, and The Exorcist. We come full circle. Um, <laughs> do let us know if there's ever anything we've not covered that you think we should, and we probably won't because we cover everything we need to. Uh, that's it for the AV Forums podcast this week. My thanks to the movies team, Sai. Good night, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Tom, love you, <laughs> and Mark. See you, bye. If you enjoyed the podcast, please give us a like and subscribe to the channel, plus hit the notification bell so you don't miss out when we publish our live streams, product reviews, and more. If you really like this part of the podcast, then buy us a cup of coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash abforums. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook and bookmark avforms.com for the latest reviews, news, and videos. Plus, why not leave us a five-star rating on whichever service you use, if they allow, but only if you enjoy the show. Thank you very much for watching and listening. Join us for another podcast soon. <laughs>